Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn there. And if you don't, we have it on the screen as well. It reads, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, with our, ha- with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father, we thank you for this time together to meet with uh, the family of God. And we ask you right now that uh, we acknowledge your presence here. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us understanding. Give us conviction through your word. And I pray that as your truth is preached, I pray that our hearts would be fertile ground. And I pray that these words would bear fruit in our lives, God. And I pray, would you give us a revelation once again, Lord, of who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can all have your seat. While you're having a seat, say what's up to your neighbor. Say hello to your neighbor. Um, I'd like to start off today by asking this question. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're scrolling through your Facebook newsfeed or Instagram, and then someone that you knew from a long time ago, someone uh, from high school or middle school, you see them post something Christian, like a Bible verse on Facebook or something, and you're like, what the? They're Christian? (laughs) Have you ever had those moments where you're like, wow, God met them. That's so cool. That's awesome. I love seeing that. If you guys know my background, I had a pretty dark uh, past, and <laughs> and uh, if you don't, maybe I'll tell you another time. But you know, some of my friends, some of those friends, I see on Facebook, and I'm like, wow, they met God. That's awesome. I remember a uh, funny story <clears throat> when I first came to New Philly about uh, eight years ago. I went on a, a retreat, a really big retreat here at this church, and then there's this girl named Daisy. Um, her She's in my house church now, this girl named Daisy, and I found out later on that when I walked into the, to the retreat, she didn't know who I was, and then she thought that I was not a Christian, just by looking at me. <laughs> I had a shaved head, I came in, I don't know what it was about me that doesn't look Christian, but she started to pray for my salvation. She started praying for my salvation. And then she told me that every time at the retreat she saw me, she see me raising my hands during worship, she would get so encouraged and so blessed. And then, you know, she kind of forgot about it. And then a couple months later, we became friends on Facebook. And she started noticing that I'm posting all these, like, 
deep quotes from theologians and, and Bible verses. And she's getting so encouraged. Wow, he's saved. He's saved. And then later on, she found out that I was a student at Torch going to seminary. And she was like, wait a minute. And then she asked around, and sure enough, she found out that I was always saved. <laughs> I was always a follower of Christ. Um, Daisy, I know you're watching. Thank you for praying for me anyways. <laughs> she was surprised to find that I was a Christian. But praise God. But how about vice versa? If you flip it, have you ever had those heartbreaking experiences where you have scrolled through Facebook and you have found that some of the most zealous and passionate lovers of God, Christians that you were inspired by, you found out that they fell away from the faith. And, they, and not just by outward action, but publicly spoke against Christianity. You know, I've experienced some of these things and it's heartbreaking. In those moments, it really makes me wonder. It makes me wonder, what happened? How did they fall away? These leaders that I was so inspired by growing up. I asked myself questions like, were they, did they fall away from the, what, like, did they lose salvation? Were they ever saved? I asked myself questions like these. Because it is confusing. Um, the intense word that this is called is called uh, apostasy. <laughs> the Bible calls it apostasy, saying that many people fall away from the faith. We see it today. I'm sure many of us have seen that. Here in the book of Hebrews, the author addresses the issue of apostasy. That's the background here. Here in this community, the author is addressing a community where apostasy is rampant. People are falling away from the faith. This is written during a time before the destruction of the Jewish temple, where persecution is so high. There were many Jews that came to know Jesus, Messianic Jews. And because of outward pressure from the Romans, and because of pressure from uh, the pagan uh, idols, even in that society, people were either turning away from the faith, or they were going back to the old practices of Judaism. They're going back to all these sacrifices. They were going back to works-based righteousness. Because of the pressure. You see, these Jews at the time, you got to sit down and kind of think about this. As a Jew who's so used to sacrifices, to earn your favor and position with, with God, to try to earn your righteousness and standing with God, you're so used to that. And all of a sudden, you're supposed to believe this covenant of grace this extravagant grace, all of a sudden, it's all free. All of a sudden, like, I don't have to do anything anymore. I just have to believe. We got to understand that that's hard to believe. And, you know, I'll speak for myself, but there are so many moments the Holy Spirit reveals even in my heart that I slip back to workspace righteousness. I may not burn an animal, 
But I may do other things to attain favor with God. Sometimes it's really hard to freely receive. I remember uh, back in America, I'm from America, uh, we do these things called um, paying tips when you <laughs> eat at a restaurant. You remember that? Some of you guys, some Americans here? You know, we would go, and then I remember so many times when there were such generous brothers and sisters that would just take me out to eat some steak. And, to, you know, I was blessed. People always took me out to eat. And then they would pay the bill, and I would always, by habit, say stuff like, oh, let me pay the tip. Come on, let me at least pay the tip. There's something in me that's like, it's just so hard to just receive. Let me just pay the tip. And even now here in Korea, we don't pay tip. Praise God. <laughs> but there are times when someone pays for me. I remember we had, I had lunch with Katie and she, she said, I got this. I'm going to pay for this meal. I'm like, automatically, you know what came out of my mouth? Let me get coffee. <laughs> I have to contribute. I have to contribute something. So the author of Hebrews is strongly in this passage. What's happening here? He is strongly urging the believers and the readers once again that Jesus paid it all. And what Jesus has done, it was enough. He paid all our debt and we don't need to pay tip. But the people that were trying to go back to Judaism, they couldn't shake that off. They couldn't shake that off. So, as we read here in this passage... There are three main exhortations that the author is giving here. But before he gives these three exhortations, first he gives the reasons why we should believe and follow through with these exhortations. When you see there, it says in, the, in verse 19, Therefore, brothers. So right before that, what is the author saying? In short, the author is saying this, encouraging this group of people where they see so much apostasy. Remember, he's saying, Hey, remember, Christ is the only way to be right with God. His sacrifice was enough once and for all. He was the perfect sacrifice who laid down his life. He is reminding the believers, because of his blood that was shed, because of his perfect blood that was spilled, because He became sin who knew no sin, that you and I can have the righteousness of Christ. Because He was the Lamb of God who laid down His life for you and I. Because He suffered and died and became the scapegoat for us. Because it was Jesus who took our punishment to satisfy the wrath of God. Jesus and only Jesus just as we sung and declared right now, Christ alone. That is the answer that the author is approaching. If you had people struggling on the fence, questioning, should I continue to endure and, and, and follow Christ? What would you say to them? This author reminds them once again of the sufficiency and the only way to be right with God is only through Christ alone. Amen? So he reminds them of that. 
And then verse 19, therefore, because of all that I just said, therefore, brothers, another reason, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that was torn. He gives another reason to hold on. Because of what Christ has done for us, guys, we have unlimited access to the living God. We can come to God in confidence, in boldness, without a shadow of a doubt. He made a way for an irrevocable membership into the house of God. He tore the veil, he said. In that time, the Jews, they only believed that a representative, the priest, the high priest, can enter the Holy of Holies, where God's holy presence dwelt. And there was a wall, not a wall, there was a thick curtain called the veil. It was really thick. And when Jesus said, it is finished on that cross, literally from top to bottom, not just figuratively, literally from top to bottom, that veil It ripped in half. And then the author here is saying, just like Christ's body was torn apart. Because of the torn body of Christ, we have access. We have access. And I'm reminded of there was a time when God made a covenant with Abraham. And the way that they did a covenant was this. God made this covenant with Abraham. And what, what, what he would do is go get some animals. Go get these specific animals. And with these animals, I want you to cut them in half. It was messy. A lot of bloodshed. I want you to cut them in half and lay them next to each other. And how people did covenants back then was if you walked through Right in the middle, you are making that covenant, symbolizing this. If you don't keep this covenant, if you don't keep this covenant, let your punishment be what happens to these animals. That was the way covenants happened back then. I'm reminded of that when I read about the veil being torn. Because when God made that covenant with Abraham, Abraham didn't walk through. God walked through. Knowing this, I know you're going to break this covenant. I know your human weakness. You are going to fail. But instead of you taking on what you do do deserve, I will take it on. He took it upon himself. He became sin. And his body was torn. Charles Spurgeon, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. I like, how, I like what he says. He says, For believers, the veil is not the, car, the, the veil, the, the fabric. It's not rolled up, but it was torn. The veil was not unhooked and carefully folded up and put away so that it might be put in its place at some future time. No, but the divine hand took it and tore it from top to bottom. It can never be hung up again. That is impossible Between those who are in Christ Jesus and the great God, there will never be another separation. Praise God. So the author says, since he tore the veil. He adds another since. And also, 
since he is also our great high priest. Christ makes intercession for us even now. Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and he makes intercession, stands on our behalf for you and I even right now. You see, priests back in the day, priests would enter into the Holy of Holies and they had to do all these rituals to make sure that they were pure. They had to go through all these uh, purity rituals to make sure they're cleansed and then even in their hearts. And then when they walked into the Holy of Holies, they would have this belt around them with bells on it. So whenever he moved around, the, um, people would hear that the priest is still alive. And he would have, have, have a rope tied around him and a rope leading to the outside of the Holy of Holies so that the other priests would... If they stop hearing the, if they stop hearing the, the jingles, they would, oh, he died. Why did he die? Oh, he wasn't pure. Something happened. That's what happened. So can you imagine being a high priest? Walking into the Holy of Holies. Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the uncertainty of what's going to happen? Have I if I was a priest, I'd be like, have I done enough? Have I sacrificed enough? Am I pure enough? Can you imagine the fear going into that Holy of Holies? Well, see, Jesus was that high priest. And if Jesus wore as a high priest, if Jesus wore that belt of those, you know, of those bells, so to speak, we would not hear of those bells. Because Jesus as a high priest, he was not only the high priest, he was also the sacrifice. He laid down his life. Why? That's why it says, the author is specifically using these words. Now we can have what? Confidence. Boldness. To enter his presence. Can you imagine the Jews listening to this? Because they're thinking, what do you mean going into God's presence with boldness? It's so scary. It's making sense now, right? Because the Jews are listening. Because of all these grace-drenched reasons that I just shared, because of all this, here are the three exhortations. First, let us draw near to God. Let us draw. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, Let us draw near to God. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then, with what? With confidence. Not confidence in your works, confidence in Christ. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You know, when I read this, I ask myself, when I examine my walk with God, and I encourage you to examine your relationship with God, I wonder if my life looks any different than if this never happened. You know, I think about actually like, the people, the, Jew, the Jews of biblical times, I, I think about, hey, like, 
I know they couldn't enter into the Holy of Holies, but surely they thought about God. They thought about the Torah, the scriptures, didn't they? They probably even maybe prayed. Today, even the Jews pray at the Wailing Wall. They, they pray to Yahweh. They think about God. And sometimes when I think about that, I ask myself, Hey, I do the same thing. Oh, I think about God. Oh, I think about the scriptures. Oh, sometimes I talk to God here and there. And I ask myself, if Christ has done this, this extravagant thing, and we have this crazy access to the living God, shouldn't my walk with God look very different? Look very different than merely just thinking about Him. And I get so convicted. I'm like, I have all this access. He's given me, He's made a way, but why don't I talk to Him? Why don't I enter in with boldness? And I came to realize there are huge differences between what we believe as followers of Christ and what he, he has done and Jews. One is we come not fearing death because of the confidence in Christ, as I shared. Two, guess what? We come boldly as his sons and his daughters. We come approaching him as our father. There's an invitation to intimacy here. And three, we have access to what? His empowerment to his Holy Spirit. When the veil was torn, not only do we have access into his presence, but guess what? His presence through his Holy Spirit, he comes and lives inside of us. And that's crazy. We have that empowerment. So brothers and sisters, today I just want to say, if anybody in here, for some reason, it's been a while since, since you've entered in. It's been a while for some reason since you have communed and talked with God. And for whatever reason, if anybody in this room is dealing with shame, there's something that you might have done that prevents you from approaching God. You feel like not worthy enough to enter into God's presence. If anybody in this room is struggling with that, I just want to make it loud and clear. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. You are covered by the blood of Jesus and his blood is enough. You may not feel it, but you are righteous in Christ. You may not feel it, but the righteousness of Christ and we don't deserve it, has come upon you. And you are pure in His sight. And He waits for you to come to Him. And if that's you, I just want to say, take courage. Hold on to this truth and enter in once again to talk with your Father because He misses you. Second exhortation. Let us Remain faithful. Let's say that to one another. Let us remain faithful. In other words, let us hold fast to this gospel. Remember how I said that the context is so many people are not holding fast to the gospel. 
So many people are falling away from the faith. So many people are reverting back to workspace righteousness. And the author is pleading here, saying, don't give in to the pressure. I know it's hard, but hold on. Hold on. I know you're getting persecuted. I know some are even dying for my name's sake. But hold on. Hold on. Don't go back to workspace righteousness. Don't go back to taking matters into our own hands. He is encouraging them. Hold on. Jesus says himself in Matthew chapter 24. We've been studying this in our house churches. That as we get closer and closer to the end times. It says that this world is going to get darker and darker. It's Jesus himself says that persecution is going to increase. Jesus himself, he says that martyrdom is going to increase. Pressure is going to increase. It's going to get darker and darker. It even says that the love of many will grow cold. And many will fall away. Just like in this context here. So God has gifted us with the book of Hebrews, encouraging us even today as the days get darker and darker. My exhortation and the author's exhortation is hold on. Some of you guys, we're going through, you know, we're going through some seriously tough stuff in life. There are things that happen in our lives we just don't understand. Loved ones passing away personally, but even look at this world. There's so many issues there's so much confusion. There's clarity is so hard to come by. What is going on? There are smoke screens all over the place. And I just want to say, brothers and sisters, hold on to the truth. Hold on to the truth. He is coming back. He is coming back. Exhortation number three. He says, let us consider... How to provoke, meet, exhort, and encourage one another. Can we just say that to one another? (laughs) Amen. It doesn't just say, the scripture doesn't just say, let us stir up one another to love and good works. It says, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good works. Meaning, he's not giving a step-by-step direction. This is how you do it. He's encouraging the believers, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Think of different ways on how we can encourage one another through these times. Do whatever it takes to encourage one another not to be stagnant in our faith, but to be active unto good works. Do whatever it takes. And brothers and sisters, consider my challenge, especially in times like this. I know, and I feel it too. It is very easy to give in to the comfort of convenience, isn't it? Zoom meetings... It's so hard, isn't it? Right? It is hard. I miss the times when we could just meet freely. I miss those times. And it's very easy to not meet together. It's very easy to make a split decision to be like, ah, I'm just going to chill. 
But I want to encourage us. Could we once again prioritize meeting together? Could we please prioritize the meeting of the saints? Because I'm not just saying this to make me as a pastor feel better. I'm saying this because we're going to need each other as things get harder and harder. It's easy right now to be isolated. It's easy right now to handle things on our own. But also, I want to encourage you, you have a story and you have something to carry. You have something to offer. Your passion provokes the church. Man, I'm so thankful for... I keep mentioning him in like so many examples, but I'm so thankful for Jacob. Man. Man, I'm so thankful for Jacob. His passion... I'm going to be honest. Sometimes his passion, because it exposes how not passionate I am. I am sometimes his passion is very uncomfortable. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for your passion, bro. And your consistency. Why? It provokes me to Christ. It provokes me to look to Him. I would say even to the point where if it wasn't for God sending Jacob here, I don't know if I would lead this Bible study of studying Matthew chapter 24 in our house churches. I'm so encouraged. And not just your presence. There's random times where he takes a risk during office hours and he's like, Hey bro, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, I got a word for you. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And then he goes, I'll just be honest. I'm like, okay, I'm busy. He's like, I just saw a vision of you sweating and and pushing a lawnmower just mowing the lawn and and you're just working so hard i just want to say just like keep going and god is proud of you right and i was so touched i was so encouraged i was so encouraged and that's just one example but the author is saying here remember the context as things are getting harder and harder And as apostasy is increasing and the different voices and the different gospel and the different pressures are coming left and right. I believe the church is going to shine brighter and brighter as time gets darker and darker. How? As we gather together and encourage one another. As we provoke one another. Brother and sister, can we live in a way that our faith provokes one another? Even today, Brian and the praise team, you guys leading praise and the song choices chosen and the words that I'm seeing, I'm so encouraged. I'm so provoked. I'm so reminded again to stay in the truth. It matters when we gather, guys. It matters. I'm not saying, God, if you're watching, I'm not, shame off you. I'm not saying shame on you, okay? Shame off you, okay? Of course, God can meet us. But we want to get in the habit of meeting together because it is preparation in a way as well. Yeah. So he gives these three exhortations. Let us draw near to God. Let us not lose faith. Let us exhort and encourage one another. All because of what? Because of Christ. Because Jesus made a way. Because of all that he's done. Let's not take for granted all that Christ has done. Man, we humans, 
we so easily take things for granted. When something is free, we love free stuff, right? When something is free, actually we often take it for granted. When we remember that things were free for us, we got to remind ourselves that it actually costs someone else. It's not just free. Jesus didn't, he, he provided freedom for us, but it costs something. It costs his life. And when you and I actually pay for something with our own money, you best believe that we won't take those things for granted as much. Right? One of the greatest things that we may take for granted is the gospel of grace. More specifically, the access that is given to us, to God, is so taken for granted. I want to share a story from a movie real quick. It's not just a movie, but it's uh, in history. In World War II, have you guys seen Saving Private Ryan? It's a war movie. In Saving Private Ryan, the opening scene is this thing called the Battle of Normandy in World War II. In this battle, there is this beachhead in France called the Omaha Beach. And the strategy for the Allies to get on enemy territory, the strategy was this. They would have, you see the opening scene, there's all these soldiers in the water, in their boats, all these individual boats. And the strategy was to send them onto the land, wave after wave. And when the first battalion, when the first wave got onto the land, they would fight. They would fight. And the second wave, second wave would go on. And then they would fight. They would fight. Do you know what the purpose of these first couple waves were? The purpose was to die. The purpose was to die. Why? To make space. To make space so that the waves behind would have space to actually have some space to fight. Wouldn't it be a tragedy? Wouldn't it be so heartbreaking if the sacrifices of the first waves was taken for granted and the previous waves never took advantage of that beachhead, of that space that was won? I heard this analogy. I didn't make this up, by the way. I heard this analogy at a revival conference. And the pastor used this analogy to say this. For young believers... Wouldn't it be a shame if older mothers and fathers of the faith, those who immigrated, it was in America at the time, those who immigrated and sacrificed so much, you know, to make space for opportunity, wouldn't it be a shame if we didn't take advantage of that opportunity? And in the same way, the preacher said, we have so many Mothers and fathers in the faith who has made space for us. But more importantly, more importantly, Jesus, the Lamb of God, he has laid down his life. He has landed on the beachhead of our hearts and he has won that war. He has made that space and he has given us access to his very presence that we can have relationship with Him, commune with Him, and have confidence in Him. Amen.
I said I would close with that example, but I forgot to say the really important piece here, which is the end of this passage. It says, All the more, as you see the day drawing near. The day referring to the coming of our Lord Jesus. The author is saying, Be faithful. The three things. Enter into his presence. Hold on to the gospel. And meet with one another, encouraging one another. You need these things all the more as things get darker and darker. As life gets harder and harder. Until our eternal hope comes again to make all things new. Until that day, brothers and sisters, we have been encouraged by the word of God. We have been encouraged by what scripture says. And I pray that us, New Philly, us as a church, that we would be able to live this out. That we would continue to pursue preparing for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us meet and encourage one another. Uh, Let's all stand to our feet and I'm going to ask the praise team to come to lead us in a song of praise. We're going to sing that last song together, Cornerstone. And as we were singing this song earlier, um, man, it was so God for us to sing that song. It was so God. Because I was moved to tears when we were singing this song because it matched so perfectly. Reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel that Christ is enough and He will always be enough. That He is the cornerstone, our only hope. And the way that the song ends is let Him to continue to be our cornerstone until He returns. Until the day of His coming. Let's continue to declare that truth over ourselves. So as praise team leads us in that song, I want to invite us to also pray in our hearts. Lord, help me to believe. Help me to enter into your presence. Help me to not just think about you, but talk with you. I want to grow with you. I want to, I want to know you, Lord. I want to not take advantage of all that you have won for me.